Rock and Roll Death Brigade Podcast with Randy Rocket Cody. All right. This is Rock and Roll Death Brigade Podcast with me, Randy Rocket Cody of TheMetalDen.com. It is Sunday, May 10th, 2020, Mother's Day. Hope everyone's having a good day out there and spent time uh, with your mother, at least spoken with her on the phone. We've got a lot of ground to cover here in this podcast. Got some important information uh, concerning my continuing independent death investigation for late Soundgarden frontman Chris Cornell. Part two of my new three-part Truth for Chris report will be posting tomorrow. Monday, May 11th. The title of that report is Chris Cornell, Pedogate, and the Wicked Witch of Grunge. So you'll be getting part two. Make sure and visit TheMetalDen.com for part one. You'll find it there. You've also got the menu up top uh, for reports. We'll catch you up on all the reports I've been writing on this investigation over the past three years. It's important for you to uh, to do a little bit of investigating yourself beyond, obviously, what I'm telling you in my reports, so that you can come to your own decision on all of this. I'm going to include in this podcast later on a snippet of audio from my uh, past Thursday, May 7th. FM Rock Radio interview appearance with host Ryan O'Neill that further details my findings in the Chris Cornell death investigation and how I believe that Chris was dosed before his final concert and then was savagely murdered. in his hotel room in Detroit Rock City where he was officially pronounced dead back on May 18th of 2017. So we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of Chris Cornell's death. It ties in with Chester Bennington's death as well who I believe was also murdered. In part three of this new Truth for Chris report, we'll post on that date, coming up on May 18th, and I'm going to drop the hammer on all of you. There's a lot of people out there who still think that they know all the answers not just to the Cornell investigation and Chester Bennington 
matter. But with everything else that's going on in this world right now, most importantly, the pandemic of the New World Order and coronavirus, well, I'm here to tell you I'm going to be able to slap you around with some hardcore evidence that's irrefutable. That what's going on here right now is the work of the Fourth Reich, led by Hitler himself, based on all of his World War II philosophies and his deeply, deeply entrenched occult study. Now, what I'm going to do as well is have some other surprises in the podcast. Before we get rocking with some music here, I definitely want to send out thanks for all the uh, support that my readers have been giving me. I see a lot of you are sharing my articles and you know, spreading the word. You know, it's important for you to share this with friends and family about what's going on, to wake them up so that they're aware of what's truly going on. I can tell you this, that in part two of my coming Chris Cornell, Pedalgate, and the Wicked Witch of Grunge report, there's not going to be one person that can stand up and debate me on my findings. But I'm always right here for anybody who wants to debate me. I'm available not only at TheMetalDen.com, where I can be reached at TheMetalDen at gmail.com, I'm available at Facebook, forward slash Randy Rocket Cody. And I'm also available via Twitter, on my personal Twitter, at Rocket Metal Den. And my personal.com, RandyRocketCody.com, where I've been posting a ton of other occult-based investigative reports and have done a lot of work beyond just the uh, Chris Cornell, Chester Bennington matters, including my single-handedly solving three of the most epic, unsolved serial killer sprees in the history of mankind. Jack the Ripper, the Black Dahlia murder, and the Zodiac Killer. Nobody from the mainstream media, nobody from any law enforcement agency in the United States of America or beyond, including Scotland Yard, has stepped up to argue against any of my findings, which is very telling. I've offered in each of those cases for the first time 
in history, three names that have never been brought forth as primary suspects. Sir Frederick Treves is Jack the Ripper. Man Ray is the Black Diamond. And Michael Aquino is the Zodiac Killer. So I urge people listening to this to definitely visit randyrocketcody.com for that reporting. Again, this is all being done independently outside of the large, large net of media bias that is going on in the United States of America today. All the mainstream news agencies, from Reuters to AP to Fox News to Drudge, all of them are working for the New World Order. They're lying to you. They have been lying to you for a long time about everything. So it's time for you to start doing more of your own investigating at this point. I can't take you by the hand. You have to do it yourself. My work is a way to help bring further awareness to these matters. But there's a whole lot more going on underneath the surface. And that's going to be up to you as a grown adult to start looking into for yourself. All right, let's get rocking with some music. There's a group that has the number one album in England and the number one single. They've just exploded on the continent, and they're here now in the States for their first U.S. tour. The group is Black Sabbath. Black Sabbath comes from rough, unfashionable Aston in Birmingham, England. They play music as tough as the town in which they grew up. And it's all in their first album, released here by Warner Brothers. top 10 on the continent and now making music history in the u.s black sabbath a group and an album on warner brothers records and tapes
Craft Thursday is Randy the Rocky Cody. Good morning, Randy. Hey, good morning, Ryan. How you doing? I am doing fantastic, my friend. I hope you're doing a great today. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm uh, real excited to talk uh, and, and give some information, to everybody. Until I get in trouble, then they'll lock me back up. Yeah, that's right. They're going to lock us back up. <laughs> uh, so what we're going to talk about this morning is the Chris Cornell death investigation. Um, one thing that I have felt a long time because uh, I have had the opportunity, short, short, quick, to let everybody know this listening. Uh, when I worked in Las Vegas at a radio station, I had the opportunity to meet Chris Cornell in person and Personally, you know, of course, I'm not a therapist, I don't know, but personally, he just didn't seem like the type that would have did what they said he did. So let's get into this. Uh, why do you think Chris Cornell was murdered? Why do I think Chris Cornell was murdered? Um, well, that's that's one of the million-dollar questions in this case. Um, I definitely believe in, in the reporting that I have done for the past three years, that uh, I, without a doubt, proved he was murdered. Um, that it was not a suicide. Uh, we'll get into that more here on, 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 you know, the evidence that I've come up with. But as far as the question uh, on uh, that you've asked me, it's a lot of people have speculated. There's been a lot of talk about uh, Chris being involved uh, with uh, human trafficking in terms of uh, investigating it, um, kind of doing his own. Uh, legwork on that and it, there was there was talk about a documentary uh that was that was uh floated around or whatnot that people have have pointed to that chris was supposed to be a part of as well um on, on the subject um but uh basically you know from from what i can see chris had chris had received a, a computer file now this is something that anybody anybody could have gotten um you know it's 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 uh, a computer file that has been uh labeled from from what i'm being told swordfish that had some pretty uh sensitive information on there um related to all of this human trafficking that ties to the elites in uh not just in america but all around the world um some kind of a secret network um, if, you, if you will, that's going on, that um, really relates back to Jeffrey Epstein and his black book, which which is not like a black book, a physical black book, okay, like you would have for you know your 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 uh, uh, you know contacts and whatnot. It was it's a digital um, version, um, and so this I've I've actually myself have. Have looked at it. Um, it's real. It 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 was turned over apparently to the authorities um, by someone close to Epstein, and some of the names that appeared within his inner circle, uh, Jeff Epstein being the late uh, convicted uh, pedophile, you know, billionaire, who's you know who's been uh, real close to uh, the Clintons. 
and some of the people, other people that were mentioned, we know that the Clintons, uh, Bill Clinton has traveled uh, to what they call Orgy Island, uh, basically 26 times is what I'd heard. Um, so there's a lot, there's a, and you know, he had a lot of association, Bill Clinton with Jeffrey Epstein. Um, inside the, inside the uh, black book, there's, uh, as I said, there's kind of like an inner circle of contacts in there that included Courtney Love. Courtney Love, oddly enough, shows up to Chris Cornell's funeral, um, you know, to, you know, to obviously show support, to be, you know, she's got apparently some uh, strong connection with Vicky Cornell. Um, so that's, that's, um, you know, Chris had, had been talking from the, from the stage, from that, from the stage when he was performing. And there's, it's it's out there on YouTube. You just have to just do a little bit of investigating. Uh, Chris was talking about this very subject of human trafficking um, months, you know, before he was killed. Um, he was talking about, you know, he was talking about just the fact that in every in in every city in the in the United States, um, there's some form of, of human trafficking, slavery, um, you know kids being abducted and sold into sex slavery or being ritually sacrificed. And so, and that this again connects to a, a much, a much bigger picture with uh, billionaire elites and like Jeffrey Epstein. And so um, Jeffrey Epstein, anybody knows about his Island. Um, there's not much in terms of the, that we have to go on as far as evidence in that area, because uh, he filled everything up with uh, cement, um, is what the authorities are saying. Um, so nobody can really go in into these tunnels, underground tunnels, uh, systems that were there, uh, to really find any any of this kind of evidence. Um, we do know that that Mr. Epstein was definitely uh, convicted and and had been. Um, doing some uh, real shady things in, in that area with underage uh, underage girls primarily. Um, now the, the, the big thing to keep in mind is is the story that Vicki Cornell has been trying to sell from from the outset that Chris was uh, that Chris was not in his right mind the night that, that this all went down. And he purportedly took his own life, that he uh, was slurring words when she spoke to him on the phone and that, you know, that he he had seemed like he was going he was go, going off the deep end. Um, Chris had a bodyguard that was with him named Martin Kirsten, who um, for me from the outset, that's that's been one of my main uh, targets. Um, and people I've, uh, of interest that I've, I've focused on during my investigation. Um, you know, one of the main things is, is that uh, a drug called Ativan was, was talked about. And, and this is a, uh, like an anxiety me medicine. Um, and, uh, you know, through my research, now that what they were trying to say, what Vicki Cornell 
was trying to say, and that apparently there's some kind of a lawsuit that's gone that's gone on. I'm not sure if it's been completed or not between uh, the Cornell uh, family and this drug maker. Um, but what I found through my through my investigating is there's a drug that was uh, never talked about that was in Chris's system uh, called Butalbital. And that's got a street name of goofballs, sleepers, peanuts, and stoppers. Uh, it's basically an intermediate acting barbiturate that's used as a, a sedative uh, along with an analgesic and treatment of tension headaches like migraine. Now, the most obvious fact uh, that is found in the tox toxicology report is that according to the findings, there is no possible way Chris could have taken for Ativan for anxiety, for which he was prescribed to take. As his wife, you know, Vicky claims that uh, the bodyguard gave him an extra two over his normal dosage when he last saw him alive at would have been 11.35 p.m. on the 17th of May, 2017. We know this is not possible because the measurement would need to be in micrograms if he really took that many pills, okay? The toxicology report reads that Chris had 41 nanograms in his system. Pills don't come in nanograms. Okay, the smallest uh, lorazepam, lorazepam is uh, 0.5. Uh, so, you know, the, the, the nanogram amount of, of Ativan that showed up in the report is one thousandth of a microgram. So that's the, um, the thing you have to look at is, is that one microgram equals one one thousandth of a milligram. So one milligram can equal 1,000 micrograms. Okay, that's 0.001 gram. So according to the medical information, butalbital has only two days of detectable duration in urine after its last dose. So we know that this was introduced to Chris's system somewhere within 24 hours of him arriving in Detroit for his final concert. So we know, we now know um, that, that there's something else going on here. And whether or not, you know, my, my reporting was that he was dosed without his, his knowledge. Um, that's, that's something that we have to, to look at because, because of this, uh, Butal Batal. And so, you know, and, and one of the things that um, a lot of people need to understand is that from the witnesses that were there that night, that Chris really didn't, he, he was not in, he was not in, in, in any bad shape that in terms of, uh, he was not showing signs of, of, you know, major depression or erratic behavior uh, from all accounts including the guy who got an autograph from him, you know, uh, right. after the show. So it would have been right before this would have all went down. 
because he went right up to the to the hotel room. Uh, his, you know, he he was not showing any signs of being this guy that was going off the rails, you know. And so, okay. Chris would love that for sure. Alright, we'll come back to do number three and number four questions. Okay. And then we'll get, uh, you already went over some of the stuff down here, and then we'll jump. Yeah, jump around how you need to. Yeah, we'll jump around a little bit. Jump around. Oh, that's awesome, dude. Your show's kicking butt, dude. Yeah, man. It's just, it is. I'm, I'm, I'm very lucky that people want to sit around and listen to me. <laughs> all, it's all about the people. Yeah. Well, I think it's all about the people. Yeah, well, you, you know, you've, you've done the hard work and, you know, you made it happen for yourself, dude. <laughs> well, you're 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 given uh, you know you're allowing a platform for this uh, conspiracy theory research, whatnot, to uh, to allow it some you know some of us to be able to to do what you know we're doing, which is talk about it and let people you know do their own investigating on it, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an awesome uh, feeling and a, a power, if you will, to have um, in this day and age. You know, of, of heavy censorship, and uh, you know, you've got 
you know, people who just don't want to go down that road and whatnot. And so, you know, for me, you know, from, from my standpoint, you know, it's just, it's just a golden opportunity to, uh, to be involved and to, uh, as I said, just give people some information that's uh, something that they maybe weren't thinking about and give, give them something else to research and investigate themselves. Oh yeah, I I never I never expected you know after I wrote I wrote the first man after I wrote the first whatever one or two write-ups on this Chris Cornell thing you know I I had no idea I'd still be talking about it three years later. You know, I've written hundreds of reports on this, and so, but it, it, you know, it's one of those things. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm always into the classic who done it, you know, and, uh, and so it, it for me, it was like, you know, it was just how could you not jump on it? You know, all right. in the background there, Bellow Black Days, and that's what this is for us, as we have Randy the Rock and Kobe with us this morning from the Metal Sin Magazine. We are talking about the Chris Cornell death investigation. Yes, we are, we are talking about the death investigation, not the suicide. Randy, I appreciate you being with us this morning from the Metal Sin Magazine. We're going to get your information closer to the end of the hour, but let's get right back to it. We learned uh, before the break. Okay, and again, that's, you know, that's one of those million-dollar questions um, that, you know, everyone has their their different opinion on and uh, their different ideas and whatnot. Um, as it stands right now, and what I have said from, from the start, when I was, I was first interviewed, right after this all went down, they um, interviewed me at the Detroit News, and that's, I believe, number seven, or it's in the top ten uh, largest newspapers in the United States of America. Uh, I was circulated in their paper edition as well, so uh, we're talking huge. Um, I got myself mixed up into it um, through a couple different articles I had written that uh, suggested foul play. And uh, my my main person of interest from, from that point ha has been Martin Kirsten, the bodyguard for Chris Cornell. Um, there's a couple there's a couple of others um, that people have thrown around Jeff Epstein because because of, of obvious connection there. Uh, he was still obviously still alive uh, back then. Had a lot to lose if some information got out that he didn't that wasn't going to be you know helpful to him and his situation. Um, and so I I can I can tell you this that Martin Kirsten, the bodyguard, who's a big dude by the way, he's a big guy. He had his own, he's got his own. Uh, security, you know, agency type of thing for detail for doing for more like celebrities, you know, 
And he used to be with, uh, he used to date Heidi Klum, the supermodel. And she was actually spotted with that Ghislaine Maxwell, who was, you know, supposedly to procure for these underage kids for Epstein at a party that Prince Andrew attended that was like a, uh, I think it was, uh, it was called hookers and something. It was like some kind of a, you know, like a dress up, like party type of thing. And um, so the interesting thing about Martin Kirsten and my, my research and investigation is that, um, you know, he was the last guy to see Chris alive. So he was the, he was the last guy to be with Chris um, as I said, shortly before midnight on the 17th of May, uh, in his hotel room and had purportedly given him this extra amount of Ativan. Now, because Chris was, you know, showing the signs of, of, of having some issues and trying to calm him down or whatnot. And, uh, you know, this guy leaves the hotel room after that and goes down the hall to his room. And then he's contacted by Vicki Cornell after she spoke to Chris and claims that Chris was slurring words and getting very aggressive uh, with her on the phone. So she notifies Martin Kirsten to go back down to room 1136 and check on Chris. And what he is saying is that he knocked down, well, didn't actually knock the door down, but he knocked, kicked in the door to, um, to get in to deal with Chris. And so what I have, what I have shown and what folks have to look at is the, the evidence of the physical evidence that we have from 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 the body um and one of those things that's real perplexing and concerning was the nine rib fractures on chris cornell and those nine rib fractures is pretty significant because you know nine that's a lot of ribs getting getting busted up um what but TMZ had said when they reported was that 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 was actually a, a median number for someone that gets CPR and that when they're doing the chest compressions and whatnot that that you can suffer that many uh, rib fractures well that's that's just not the case um, I actually spoke with um, I actually sp spoke, uh, well, I spoke to several different people. Primarily, first off, I spoke uh, with a former uh, police officer who's a locksmith expert who said, first off, there's no way that there was enough damage done to the door by this big six foot five, six foot six bodyguard uh, to, the, to the door jam, uh, the lock itself uh for for that to have been able to happen so we know that there's something weird going on there 
And then as far as as far as Chris um, and the nine rib fractures, um, that's more of a sign of blunt force trauma. Um, which is pretty, pretty scary because my research showed me that that's the type of amount of fractures that you get if you're being hit like with a baseball bat um, or if you've fallen off of a roof or if you've uh, suffered a car accident and you've hit the, your chest has hit the, uh, the steering wheel or the dashboard. So it's a, as you can see, there's gotta be a lot of trauma. Uh, my uh, people, I spoke to people who've worked in hospitals who told me that, you know, uh, that really for someone of, of Chris's age, and Chris was still, you know, in his early fifties, was still in really good shape. He was from all accounts, taking real good care of himself, eating well, and, and, and you know, he was still, you know, physically in, in, in good shape. Uh, really, really good shape, actually, that, um, yeah, I mean, you know, he was, you know, early 50s, and he looked like a surfer, you know, guy, you know, still had a tone physique, and um, so that's real concerning with the, with those rib fractures. Um, what I will say is that there was a head wound that was actually left out of the autopsy report. For what reason, we don't know, that was seen by witnesses and actually as well people in Soundgarden. Um, that was there before the show uh, before the show started, after soundcheck. <coughs> so um, my my I spoke to several different people about it. You know, working as long as I have in the rock and roll business, I have a lot of contacts. And there's a lot of people that hit me up right after all this went down. Uh, people actually have one person from a radio station that was connected to a radio station in Detroit that that was that hit me up and gave me some information. But um, basically, uh, you know, Chris, from all from from what we can see, was in was in pretty good shape throughout throughout that show. Um, there was some talk in, in terms of um, in terms of him being uh, kind of out of it uh, at points in the show. Uh, if you've watched the video, uh, he pretty much seems to me like he's he's pretty much he's pretty much on the whole show. There was talk that he was not happy with some of the sound going on at the show um, and was was kind of uh, angry about that. Um, and maybe that's what he was he was mad about after the show uh, as opposed to like some guy that was losing his mind going off the rails um, but so yeah so you know that head wound uh, which is mentioned I might add by the uh, the emergency medic that was there uh, in the in the pronouncement of uh, DOA for, for Chris Cornell on the 18th at 1.30 in the morning. And so, um, you know, we've got this conflicting information, you know, we've got, it's, it's being left out of the autopsy report uh, by the coroner, um, but the medic who was there on, on scene says that he sees a head wound. So that's not consistent with someone who is hung themselves.
neither is all the blood that was seen on the, on in in the area where he was found uh, on the walls and whatnot. Um, so you know it, it lends one to to think about foul play and um, what I what I had found in terms of um, how he could have been killed is a a move called the carotid death choke, which we were just talking about wrestling. Um, but in all seriousness, it's a very uh, it's a very deadly sleeper hold. Yeah, that actually the police used to use. And they had to stop using it, had to be outlawed because they were killing people on accident. And um, so that the, the thing about that move, the carotid death choke, is it can be done and you can do it without leaving any marks in terms of you wouldn't see, you know, finger, you know, fingers or, you know, finger marks or, or anything like that. Um, so that's one, one of my theories is that I believe that that some type of, uh, at some point during the melee, uh, that would have gone on because Chris, I believe would have, you know, would have fought from his life and protected himself. Um, and whether or not he was being slammed around in a fight against furniture in the room or whatnot, and that could have broke the ribs. Um, is that that, you know, he he has this existing head wound. You know, it's, it's, it's seen by others uh, at the show. And it looked like ripped out hair on the back of his head and a little bit of like a red spot kind of. Um, basically, uh, as I said, you know, it's mentioned by the medic that's, that is there on the scene when they go to pronounce him, uh, deceased and it's left out of the autopsy report. So, Yeah, I'm still here, brother. Okay. What'd you get? You get food? What? Yeah, free food. Somebody's sending five, get, get free food at McDonald's and all that kind of stuff. 
Well, get some free food, man. Yeah, right. Well, <clears throat> you know, the first thing with, with Vicki Cornell is there's a lot of changes in the narrative from her end. Um, you know, when when this all started to go down and it was it's disconcerting when someone can't keep their story straight and, and keeps flip-flopping on what she said and she says the media is, you know, putting words in her mouth and all this stuff. Um, the most important thing for people to know about is that, um, from what I've been told, is that she had put Martin Kirsten with Chris Cornell. I mean, this is a grown man, you know, and Chris could take care of himself. And Chris was a very proud guy. And he, you know, he at some point gets this big, whatever, six foot five, 250 pound bodyguard put on detail around him. <clears throat> there's there's been discussion that there was going to be uh, going to be a divorce. <clears throat> and that and that she was trying to gather uh, you know some 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 kind of, you know, dirt on her husband uh, in terms of, you know, him possibly having an affair or something there in Detroit um, that she could use against him. And um, so this guy had been, you know, put with him by Vicky. And uh, this, this is the guy that's last seen with Chris before he dies in this very strange fashion that's being called suicide. Now, in his, in his um, final moments, from my, from my research, if Chris was unknowingly dosed, as I said, with butal patal before the the, <clears throat> the final gig you know by somebody and could have been vicky um and was having some kind of uh you know overdose type like symptoms or whatnot uh on the stage and after uh, making him more confused and not able to keep proper balance that would fully allow for the assailant to enter into his room and attack him with this sleeper hold 
this 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 chokehold I speak of, the carotid death choke, and uh, to to catch him from behind with it, and he would not have been able to fight off uh, in his drug condition this this assailant. Now, uh, who had a key to room eleven thirty six other than Chris? According to Vicki Cornell herself, it was the bodyguard Martin Kirsten. So putting Chris out this way with that, that sleeper hole would be much easier accomplished as, a, uh, as opposed to engaging in a, you know, in a brutal fight that would have left a lot of physical evidence. Um, we know, as I said, we've got nine rib fractures that aren't consistent with CPR. Uh, I've, I've spoken um, with, with experts uh, in, in the medical field who said typically someone that's going to be Chris's age, his shape, you know, there might be a couple few, you know, two or three on average. Um, you're just not going to find, <clears throat> you're just not going to find that happening. Um, even in situations with the elderly, <clears throat> I found out that if they're getting CPR done to them, typically it's done with one, with, with one, uh, one hand, not two. They do this so that they don't break the person's chest all up, you know, the older person. The older people, elderly people, certainly do suffer more of these types of rib, fra rib fractures during CPR. So it's not, it's not consistent in Chris's case because, you know, he was, he was much younger than an elderly person. He was not elderly. And, um, and so in his, uh, in his final moments, uh, <clears throat> from my research with, with this sleeper hold, uh, he would have lost consciousness from the death choke pretty quickly, but he still could have struggled to fight for his life. And this is where he could have fr fractured like uh, his, his, you know, banged his, his chest against um, furniture or, you know, bang, banged himself, you know, around pretty good. Uh, certainly if the assailant was riding his back on the ground while strangling him, that extreme amount of weight could have crushed his rib cage. So the killer might have wrapped, again, kind of getting to, to wrestling moves here. The killer might have wrapped his legs around the chest area of, the, of, of, of Chris Cornell during the strangling to gain control. So while Chris slips into a coma, it is my belief that he's the next thing that would have happened is he's hung from the bathroom door uh, to fabricate the suicide. And then after about 10 minutes of hanging, Chris would have finally passed away and succumbed. So this means Chris would have already been dead when the bodyguard comes to knock on the door at 12.15 a.m. The latch, and this is important, the latch on the door that's on the inside of the room is a safety latch, you know, that you can, you can like a bar latch type of thing that you put across after you've deadbolted the door. The latch could not have been closed on the inside as Martin Kirsten, the bodyguard, claims since Chris was already deceased. Nobody alive and well it was it was was in that room once he left. So how exactly does the latch get engaged? So 
he puts on a show for the police and the hallway camera that that Detroit police say that they have, have observed when in fact he had a key to the room the entire time. So we know when the, the uh, EMS uh, worker who's recorded on audio, which I got my hands on, and everyone tried to say that it was bogus and that, you know, how did I get that? Even, even Detroit, the guy George Hunter, the reporter there, um, they tried to, you know, uh, they couldn't get it officially verified at the time with Detroit PD, my audio that I got my hands on, and uh, of, of this uh, EMS talking during the, uh, the DOA call to 9-11 dispatch. And basically um, what he says on the audio when he's observing Chris is that he's, quote, cold to the touch over his entire body, unquote. And this is at 1.30 a.m. So that substantiates my theory uh, of the two hour, <clears throat> what's a two hour cooldown clock for the human corpse, right. according to forensic evidence. So that pushes us back now to around 11.30, 11.35 p.m. on the 17th, uh, when Chris was said to be visited in his room by who? His bodyguard, Martin Kirsten. Yeah, we'll have to do another one of these for sure. <laughs> okay, brother. Yeah, if you visit my uh, website, themetalden.com, you'll notice that there's a... Uh, just have posted here the other day um, part one for the the latest Chris Cornell report this is the actually the first one it's a three-part report uh, this is the first uh, report that's been done since like January so a lot of people were asking me to uh, do a follow-up and uh, and so that's what I'm what I'm doing on it um, part two is going to further examine the relationship between Chester Bennington and, and Chris Cornell um, and uh, you know beyond just their friendship but how, how it all relates to this uh, this human trafficking and uh, and and the uh, the knowledge that, that both of these guys had about about the subject matter and uh, as well John Podesta John Podesta and Lawrence Rockefeller are connected through the UFO disclosure, yeah. which is tied to the Clintons because Lawrence Rockefeller ordered the Clintons. Actually, Hillary Clinton was was involved in that as well to uh, you know to to gain the the full UFO disclosure uh, for for the people, and so. Uh, John Podesta, this this second report and, and subsequent uh, the third third part, really it's it's going to be devoted to to that uh, that whole deal of uh, John Podesta and his relations with um, Lincoln Park Band, 
and the uh, yeah the, the global sea for all uh, energy for all initiative and Lincoln Park ban was used by John Podesta now John Podesta is one of the guys that if you, anybody knows that he was uh, he had these emails that talked about uh, code words for for pedophilia um, and those and that was that was uh, all brought out into the open here several years ago um, so there's a real strange connection between Podesta and Chester Bennington there and so that's that's what we'll be looking at is, is more closely is exactly what what that means and how that can relate to, to this uh, to this case because I believe that Chester was murdered as well Chester was found hanging from his door in his his home in his bedroom on Chris's birthday in 2017. All right, brother. All right, man. This was awesome. We'll have to do a part two to this one too, like we did with Dimebag. Oh yeah, dude, definitely. I, I knew it was gonna be a lot to to. Uh, to consume you know so we'll uh yeah we'll definitely we'll do dime bag uh part two next uh next time and then okay. and then and then after that in july which will be you know the anniversary of uh chester's passing we'll 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 do the chesters as well okay yeah let's do that let's do that and everything and uh and and, and if you can if you want to do if you want to if you want to cut down that audio or and everything you want to play that during the time that i interview you you can cut it down and, and send me a little piece of it, and I'll set it up to where I'll play it during the time you're on. Oh, okay. Yeah, we can we can do that too. I can I can play that while you are. Uh, you're like, hey, here's the audio. Here's a piece of what it is. And we can play a little bit of it. You can comment on everything too. Okay. We can do something like that. Okay. That'd be cool. Killer. And uh, everybody saying thank you, Randy, for being on. <laughs> awesome. All right, brother. Well, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, brother. Take care of yourself. You too. All right, later.